Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Well, hello, everybody. This is Sandy. I am the founder of LastFirstDate.com. I am the chief love officer the dating and relationship coach for women over 40 who want to attract and sustain a healthy, lasting, loving relationship. On today's show, I'm going to be speaking with Henry Gornbein. He's a family lawyer and author, and he's going to help you understand everything you need to know before filing for divorce. I wish I had met Henry before my divorce. It would have made my life a lot easier, and I hope that he will bring some clarity to yours as well. As a dating coach for women who are divorced or have experienced loss or who are dating and never never have married, it is my mission to help women over 40 make better choices, especially the second time around. I help them quickly recognize the qualities of a good man and learn the relationship skills to make love last. And I want to share with you one of the mistakes that I notice over and over again If you have achieved a high degree of success in your career, chances are that you might be bringing that same competitive edge to dating, and that can totally turn off the men that you're attracted to. It puts you in the friend zone, and I used to think that men would be much more attracted to me if they knew how crazy busy I was. Well, men didn't really like that. They didn't think I had room for a man in my life. And so one guy actually said that he hadn't called me back because he didn't think I could time slot him into my life. That was really not true. I thought being crazy busy was something men would be attracted to. And that was a wake-up call for me because I really wanted a relationship as, as I'm sure that you do too. So these types of mistakes can sabotage your dating success. And it's hard to see those dating mistakes when you're too close to the situation. Most people can't see themselves as clearly as others can. And that's why I've created a free guide where I explain the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around and find lasting love. It is my gift to you, and I'd love for you to grab a copy. All you have to do is go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up on my homepage because I want you to go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you like. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. That's audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. Audible is fabulous. Um, So now I'm going to introduce our guest, Henry Gornbein. He is a specialist in all aspects of family law, and he's the author of the Spousal Chapter of Michigan Family Law and the host of the award-winning cable TV show Practical Law. He's a frequent blogger, including for the Huffington Post, and he's a guest on Divorce Source Radio with the Ask Henry segment. He's a partner in Lippitt O'Keefe, Gornbein in Birmingham, Michigan, and the author of Divorce Demystified, Everything You Need to Know Before You File for Divorce, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome to the show, Henry. Thank you, Sandy. I appreciate the chance to talk to you and your uh, listeners. Great. Well, 
I'm excited to dive into this topic. So what what made you want to write this book, Divorce Demystified? I've been practicing family law, and now it's for over 45 years, and clients are hurting. It's one of the most terrifying events that can happen in a lifetime. In fact, when you look at the psychological trauma that one can go through, number one is the loss of a child, of course. There's nothing that can compare to that. Second is the loss of a spouse through death in an impact marriage. And third, as far as psychologically life-altering events, is a divorce. And over the years, I've seen, first of all, the process, and this is true no matter whether you're in Michigan where I practice or in California or any other state, it's frightening, uh, it's uh, difficult, and people don't understand it. In fact, sometimes attorneys don't understand what they're doing, and judges sometimes don't understand it. So what I did was write a book with the idea of literally demystifying the process, trying to simplify things for lack of a better word. We we live in a world where everything's faster and faster. It's like everything's on st- st- steroids and everything's sped up. And so my goal was to slow it down, explain to people what happens in a divorce, and looking at it from several perspectives, from the attorney's legal perspective, from a psychological perspective, which is critical, from an economic perspective, and also interweaving cultural and religious issues as well. And that was my purpose, to really focus on these issues, cover all the issues, and do it in a way that anyone, whether he or she has any legal background or none, can understand. And hopefully I've succeeded. <laughs> well, I I think your book is great, and I think you have succeeded. And I do know that so many people, myself included, as I said, you, you start out the divorce process and it becomes a whirlwind of emotions, um, it it there's there's very little logic sometimes when you're when you're going through it because people are so emotionally charged and I know that in my case we started out wanting to be very peaceful we went to a mediator and it was a divorce that could not be mediated easily so I sought my own representation because I felt that I would not have come out um, financially in a good place if I had stayed with the mediator. So I think, you know, people have to find what works for them. A lot has changed in the years since I got divorced. I'm I'm divorced seven years now. Um, I know they have collaborative divorces, which I think is great. Um, so can you t- just explain some of the approaches to divorce? I'll, I'll be glad to. I mean, there are different ways to divorce. In fact, there's one chapter in the book that's devoted to how do you resolve a divorce. And the simplest situation is where a husband and wife sit down across a kitchen table or whatever, uh, write down kind of lists of assets and liabilities, and if there are children, child-related issues, and what each wants and why, and try and work it out themselves. Uh, In other situations, There will be attorneys involved, and in many cases I do what is called a prepackaged divorce, which means uh, we work together, we settle the case before it's filed. And this is the collaborative divorce idea. In collaborative divorce, and I happen to be trained not only as a mediator but also as a collaborative divorce attorney, 
you work as a team. So husband has his attorney, wife has her attorney, and you have a series of meetings where you lay out the issues, you lay out the assets and liabilities. Sometimes if there are child-related issues, you may bring in a child therapist or specialist. In some cases, you may bring in a mediator. If there are economic issues, you may bring in a financial planner or you may be bringing in an accountant to do uh, issues with regard to evaluating a business or professional practice. But the way collaborative works is you agree not to file until the case is settled. And if the case cannot be settled, and this is what puts more pressure on people to settle collaboratively, everyone on the team, the attorneys, the mediators, the experts, have to bow out, and then a whole new set of professionals are retained to litigate, which is very expensive, very costly emotionally, and the whole idea is to keep this out of court, to keep this low-key. And I've had some cases where there were a lot of issues involved, even a lot of money involved, and we were able to settle things after a series of meetings. So I'm a big believer in the collaborative law approach. You mentioned mediation, and where I practice, Sandy, mediation is ordered in every divorce before you can go to trial. And this is mediation where you have both attorneys and clients a mediator selected, and I often am selected as a mediator to mediate other cases, or else when I'm a litigant, uh, my cases will go to mediation. And a skillful mediator can resolve almost every case, so that where I practice, I'd say less than 1% of all divorces go to trial. And in my book, I keep stating, and this is one of the key issues, that going to trial is failure. And the reason it's failure is because you're losing control. You have a stranger, a judge who doesn't know you, who may care about you, but has a lot of pressures and has his or her own worldview, his or her own attitude about what's right and what's wrong, what's best for your children or not best for your children, how the economics should be handled, and you're letting someone else decide the most intimate aspects of your life, where your children will live, how much time they'll spend with each of you, how your money is to be handled. And so it's like I believe that people have to take control of their lives and stay out of court as much as possible, and that's something I emphasize again and again in Divorce Demystified. I do try mm-hmm. cases. I've tried some nasty cases. And what happens? You spend thousands and thousands of dollars going through the trial process. And also in trial, you can't be nice. So you're calling your soon-to-be former husband or soon-to-be former wife a lot of names, you're creating more wounds, and it's harder to heal. You want to co-parent, you want to work together raising your children in the future. Well, once you've gone to a, through a trial, especially if custody is a major issue, it becomes almost impossible to move forward. So rather than healing, you're just creating more wounds and exacerbating what is already a bad situation. So staying out of court is something I cannot emphasize too strongly. There are some cases, Sandy, where there has to be a trial where either uh, there are some complicated issues or it's impossible to agree or where someone is either, you know, emotionally or psychologically disturbed. Uh, then you try it. And, again, there are no winners. Yeah, it can get ugly. Well, so in our case, the mediation, the reason the mediation didn't work is because um, 
in trying to create a fair situation financially, I was actually um, given a very unfair financial situation. And it could have been just a bad mediator. Um, and I think in the end, we we did have a pretty collaborative divorce. I mean, we had filed, but we we were able to sit together with both of our attorneys and work things out. So it was pretty peaceful, um, and I'm I'm really grateful for that. And we worked really hard to to get along for the for the kids' sake um, and to be able to work things out. And I think it's it's not always easy to do that. And and there are many many relationships where Let's take co-parenting, for example. Um, you talk about sitting down and having peaceful kind of co-parenting and doing what's right for the kids. I find that's almost impossible for most of the divorces that I'm familiar with um, because what happens is if the marriage, if in the marriage you have disagreed about parenting, and that happens very often, it's it's very difficult to to now be in a peaceful place about parenting and, and agreeing to be on the same page. So what would you suggest to people who have that kind of situation? Well, in those situations, first of all, if you can't communicate, there are several steps that are taken. Uh, I often tell people, before you say something to your ex-spouse or soon-to-be ex-spouse, reflect, count to ten perhaps, because... Often when you say the first thing that comes to your mind, instead of uh, cooling things down, you're going to make it worse. The other thing, in a lot of cases, we use devices such as our family wizard or other Internet sites where what you're doing, you're communicating through uh, an open forum where everything is recorded, everything is printed, and in those high-conflict situations where the courts are involved or sometimes we have what are called parenting coordinators or guardians who are appointed to represent the children or to coordinate things, you're keeping a record as who's saying what to whom, and this way it's easier to sort things out. So is it ideal? No. But in a lot of cases where people can't co-parent, where they can't communicate, we use these techniques such as our family wizard, or we will bring in experts who are there to represent the children or the child and most laws throughout the united states the statute is what is called the best interest of the child or children so there's you're looking at now what is best for mom or what is best for dad but what is best for the children and that's where the majority of states are now the other thing Mm -hmm. is and this is something that sometimes i think it's good and sometimes it's bad there's been a trend and this is true in michigan and some other states towards a presumption that there should be joint physical custody or shared physical Mm -hmm. custody in all cases. And I don't believe that one size fits all. Just like in divorce, I don't believe one size fits all. And any attorney or judge who is taking a cookie-cutter approach or mass assembly line approach is doing a disservice to the clients, to the people going through divorce, because every situation is unique. What makes sense in the upbringing of your children it's not going to make sense to someone else. So I think you have to look at everything on a case-by-case basis. And in some cases, I have parents who didn't get along, but they're able to raise their children and co-parent. Yes, they have Mm -hmm. different styles, but they're still able to do it. Sometimes there are bumps in the road, but they're doing it. And then I have others where 
they can't agree whether it's night or day, and, you know, they're forever at war. And I call that the never-ending divorce, which is something I do a lot of writing and lecturing on. And this is the case mm-hmm. where, you know, in most cases you have some fireworks, uh, but then people move on and they start rebuilding their lives. But in some cases, uh, and I write about this in the book, the psychological divorce, which is just as important, if not more important, than legal divorce. Two parents, two, a couple have to be psychologically divorced to move on. And if one spouse, whether it's the husband or the wife, cannot move on, cannot let go, either through bitterness, anger, or through some serious mental illness, these are where you have the cases that I call the never-ending divorce, where they keep fighting over Every issue regarding children, regarding money, regarding payment of child support, spousal support, alimony, regarding uh, when pickup or delivery is. And what I found over the years, the worse the case, the more specific you have to be over everything. Uh, Pickup and drop-off times regarding parenting time, visitation, what days, what hours, everything has to be spelled out. Otherwise, People can't communicate, and they'll be back in court again and again and again. And these are the cases the judges hate, the attorneys hate, because people just can't move on. And this is what I call the never-ending divorce, where instead of building and helping their children heal and helping each other heal, they fight and often destroying the lives of their children. I mean, words such as parental alienation, uh, children committing suicide. I've seen all these Mm. things. And it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, it is horrible. Well, we grew up with a divorce. Um, my parents brought us into their divorce, and they didn't get divorced until we were all out of the house. But it still affected our lives tremendously because we had a tiptoe around their hatred of each other, and I think that greatly impacted my life to the point where I swore I would never do that to my children, and I went out of my way to never use them as pawns to keep my psychological, my, you know, any of my issues out of their lives. It wasn't their problem. And in fact, in dating, and I recommend this to my clients too, not to involve your kids in your dating life unless a relationship is really serious because that's another thing that can psychologically really impact uh, your children. That's a whole I other can't ag- topic. I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I see so many cases where uh, a husband or wife, they're already in a new relationship during a divorce. And, you know, I write about the fact that Facebook and social media, people do stupid things. They'll just be separating or in the middle of a divorce, and they're already on Facebook with their children and the future uh, stepchildren or the new boyfriend or girlfriend. And often it's the flavor of the month, and all you're doing you're damaging your children. You're you're really t- taking the attitude that, you know, relationships are throwaway things and, you know, what kind of example are you setting and how are your children going to learn or grow up and ever be able to have a healthy relationship? So I can't agree with you more, Sandy, on that issue. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that Facebook thing. Um, <laughs> and it, that's a terrible thing. And also uh, I've I'm always amazed at parents who think their kids don't really realize that there's somebody, um, like somebody sleeping over, and they say, well, my kids just think we're friends. 
And I'm oh, like, yeah, right. the kids are not stupid. They're really so much smarter than you think. And actually, the smartest thing my mediator ever said to us was that children are like the doormen of your building. They see and hear and know everything. So you think that they don't see and hear because you haven't been so loud about, you know, the issues? They pick up on everything um, to the point where when we were telling my kids about the divorce, that we were going to divorce, and I we sat them down and we said we had to talk to them about something, and we had rehearsed it and came up with a script together. And as soon as I said something like, you know, mommy and daddy love you very much. They just all burst out crying and <laughs> ran out of the room and said, you're getting divorced. I mean, we didn't have to finish the sentence because they saw what was going on in the house. They got oh, it. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, they get it, and even little kids get it. I mean, we don't give our children enough credit for how perceptive they are and, you know, that they see it. And too many parents, they don't think about their children. They just blindly go on to the next relationship and... uh they're doing more damage, and they don't think. Yeah. And as attorneys and as therapists and you in your coaching career, you're picking up the pieces. You're helping people deal with these issues or trying to get them to face these facts and these issues, and too many people don't. I mean, I've had cases where uh, I'd be pressured by a client, well, is, is a divorce final yet? What's the, and I say, what's the problem? Well, our wedding invitations went out, and we have a wedding date in a week. So, you know, people are ready to jump from one relationship to the next. And I haven't advised people, wait at least a couple of years before you make any serious commitments, whether it's a new relationship, don't jump into a new relationship, don't jump into a new marriage, uh, uh, don't make a major job decision, don't make a major decision as to buying or selling a house or moving. I mean... Let the dust settle because you've mm-hmm. gone through a lot. But people, I think people are in too much of a hurry now. And to me, the Internet, and I write about this, exacerbates the situation. It's like it used to be, and, you, you know, you talk about dating and relationships. Things evolve slowly. Now you push a button and the whole world is at your fingertips. Uh, it can be a new man, a new woman. It can be uh, everything's out there. And everything that, and I think it's easier to lie through social media and things like that. It's like we, we put on a false persona and try and convince people this is who we are, and it's dangerous. And there's so many cons out there. I mean, I had a case where I was over in the wife, and she ran off to England, and she was scams in one of these Nigerian scams. Uh, and people, I was in the middle of a divorce where my, I had the husband and the wife reconnected through social media, through Facebook, I believe, with a high school s- sweetheart who lived on the other side of the country. And she flew off uh, to be with them, leaving her children and husband alone. And, you know, that took care of the mm-hmm. case. But it's like people do stupid things. Yeah, they do it from a place of pain and loneliness and for all the wrong reasons. And I think that's that's why people jump in from relationship to relationship. Um, if you really, I, I couldn't agree with you more about waiting. I, I waited two years before I went on my first date. I, I was in the middle of building a business. I had purchased a home, and I'm glad I did. Um, and <clears throat> But I, I wanted to take care of 
my life and my children's lives before jumping into anything. I mean, it was it was really important to me, and I'm so glad I did. Um, so that's no, that's good wise. Advice. Yes, absolutely. It's like people rush, people don't think, and I think people mm-hmm. are too much worried about their own feelings, and they lose sight of what's in the best interest of their children. Yeah, well, I I know of a horrific case where a woman was being emotionally abused by her husband, possibly physically as well, and she ran off with a guy and left her kids with their abusive father. And it was putting them at such risk, both emotionally and physically, and finally, after many years in court, her sister ended up having custody of these kids. But they ran away from their father. I mean, the father was was just so abusive. He wasn't taking care of them. They were not doing homework. They weren't eating. And this got dragged in court for years. And I just felt so bad for these kids. But luckily, there's a happy ending. And the family that adopted them ended up raising them to be such incredibly responsible, wonderful human beings. All that is wonderful because too often the children, are scarred and, you know, their lives, if not ruined, are severely damaged. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, So you mentioned four aspects of divorce in the book. So can you just kind of uh, briefly go through those four? Sure. And it's something, again, I thought about things over the years, and you have a legal divorce. That's the first aspect. And that's where a judge pronounces you divorce. You've gone through the legal system, and you come out with a document called a judgment of divorce. Uh, the judge pronounces you divorce. You are now single. You are no longer married. That's the legal divorce. Second aspect is the psychological divorce. And this is, as I said earlier in our talk, is the most important aspect because unless you're psychologically ready to move on, this is where you have problems. And if a, two adults, two partners decide we're no longer in love, we're no longer happy, let's end our relationship and move on, and they do this together, you have a simple divorce. But where one or the other is not willing to let go, that's where you have some fireworks. And again, as I mentioned earlier, the worst case is what I call the never-ending divorce, where one spouse or the other, either because of anger, bitterness, or just because of so many emotional and psychological problems, can't move on. Then you have the wars that go on year after year after year. Third aspect is the economic divorce, because economically you're divorcing, you're dividing things, you're dividing assets, you're dividing debts. You may be dealing with professional degrees, practices, businesses. These are all things that have to be worked out and divided in some fashion. And you're setting economic obligations. Uh, There is going to be child support if there are minor children. There's going to be spouse support, alimony in some cases. Again, this differs from state to state. But alimony can be a critical component, especially with a long-term marriage or where one spouse is in a very inferior economic situation. And the final aspect is what I call the religious divorce. In three religions, you have a religious aspect of divorce. In Judaism, you have what is called a get, which is a Jewish divorce. It has to be performed by three rabbis, and it's the man who controls it. And if you want to remarry in the Orthodox or conservative branches of Judaism, you have to have a get. So it can be an important negotiating tool. It can be a difficult issue. 
In the Islamic faith, you have a similar thing. Where's uh, the man controls the divorce. It's a religious divorce. It's handled by a sheikh. And the woman cannot remarry within the Muslim faith unless that divorce is granted. And Catholicism, while there's no divorce, if you want to remarry within the church and have the sanctity of the church, you have to have an annulment through the church, through the archdiocese. And that's a much more complicated and difficult process than in Judaism or the Islamic faiths. Now, I've surveyed every other major religion. No other major religion has any divorce-related aspects. So, again, religion can come into play with three major religions, again, Islamic, Judaism, and Catholicism. Yeah, and as a as an Orthodox Jew, I know the the issues around people who do not grant a get, and that becomes a major, major issue. There have been political people who step in and help in those cases. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's it. There's so many different aspects of divorce. Well, this was. Really very eye-opening on many levels, um, Henry. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. And how can people find you? Uh, they can find me either through websites. Uh, my, I have several websites. I have one is familylawformichigan.com. Another one is lipidokeefgornbein.com, which is the firm website. And I'm an attorney practicing in Birmingham, Michigan, and I also have the book, and the book can be uh, purchased through Amazon, and there's also a website called divorcedemystifiedbook.com, and again, that hyperlinks to all of my other websites as well. But I really enjoyed doing this show with you, and perhaps we can discuss other topics in the future. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Henry, and thank you, everybody, for listening in today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Take care. Thank you, Sandy.